When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But let's head to the UK first and foremost. He's a quality human being, other than the fact that he supports Manchester City. Andy Buckley's his name. Andy, good afternoon. Good morning. Welcome. Good afternoon. Yes, good morning. Good morning over there. Yeah, welcome. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. I was absolutely delighted Everton drew one all with Manchester City yesterday. I'd imagine you weren't so happy about it. Well, I stayed for the full uh, 13 minutes of stoppage time. Uh, got soaking wet on the way back into Manchester. Uh, treated Mrs. Buckley to a night uh, in a city centre hotel to uh, ring in the new year. A Mancunian who's lived here for 60 plus years, but I've never stayed in the city centre uh, in my life. So uh, we treated ourselves. I had some friends up from London and big city fans. And yeah, big disappointment uh, with the way that City uh, just couldn't get the better of a really gritty, stubborn uh, Everton team. And fair play to Frank Lampard. Uh, but I, su- I suppose it shows the measure really of the strength of the Premier League, the fact that Everton can grind out a, 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 an honourable draw in a very feisty encounter at the Etihad. Yeah, there's no easy game, is there? And that's it, Everton, just desperate to stay out of the relegation zone. And then you get the teams at the top clearly trying to win the English Premier League. Then you get the teams that are just simply wanting to make Champions League and then the, the UEFA Championship below that. Um, and then, of course, all the big clubs like Man City, Liverpool, every time they come up against any opposition, those oppositions just simply wanting to try and knock them off. Yeah, I mean, Aston Villa, you know, beating uh, Spurs. Uh, Unai Emery got in to Villa um, and already made an impression. So it just shows really how uh, how tough it is. And mm. we've got Arsenal playing Newcastle in 48 hours' time. We've got... Manchester City against um, Chelsea on Thursday, your Friday morning, and then Liverpool-Brentford coming up as well in the next 24 hours. So the games come thick and fast. And, you know, Arsenal have got this seven-point lead at the top of the table, um, which, you know, the speculation is, well, can they hang on to it? But we've played 16 games out of 38, so there's an awful lot of football to be played. um, And... It's still far too soon. Um, I mean, I, I think from a city perspective, there's a lot of there's a big inquest into it, obviously, because the why they didn't win, um, and we've we've had it before where you think, oh, they're looking a bit tired and they're not quite as um, as destructive as they have been in the past, and then suddenly they'll go on like a 15 match winning streak, if uh, history has shown, and 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 sort of romp away with the title. And there's still a view that that might happen. But there's also a scenario where, uh, you know, and I think the neutrals would want Arsenal to to win the title, to be honest with you. They think, well, um, it'd be nice for somebody else to win it. I get that. I completely get that. And I also get the fact that City can't win it every season. It it doesn't take much, though, does it? Seven-point lead, as you mentioned, but suddenly you lose a game and it's a four-point lead. (laughs) It can turn very very quickly. Yeah, City have got to play Arsenal twice. 15th of February is the first game down at the Emirates. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, it's impossible to say. Uh, it really is. I thought Erling Haaland was lucky to stay on the field, having seen that challenge that he made. Uh, it, it, I thought he was very lucky to stay mm. on the field. 
um, and um, you know, all credit to Everton, first shot on target and they score from it, fantastic goal as well from Damari Gray. But um, yeah, it, it's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of football to be played in various competitions mm-hmm. because City play Chelsea next Thursday. They play them again a week today in the FA Cup. Um, then you've got on the horizon, you've got the Champions League as well. So, uh, you know, the, the, I think Liverpool are coming good as well, aren't they? Despite the fact that Darwin Nunes can't score a goal and uh, yeah, I, 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 much I, I, derided at the moment, yeah, I should say. But I do sense that if he clicks, look out. Look, I, there's a lot to like about Nunez. I wasn't convinced, but even off the first two games back after the World Cup break, I'm looking there going, OK, yeah, he's missing the target, but we know with strikers you just got to get one or two and suddenly the floodgates open. He's putting himself in the position to score. Um, and I, yeah. I, I wouldn't write him off just yet. No, uh, agreed. Um, and there's a lot of uh, well-respected pundits who think that... Uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he's on the verge. Uh, and, and as you say, he needs the goals. Mm. He does need the goals, though. Um, and other players have been slow starters. I think Mo Salah was, uh, early on in the Premier League was a, was a slow starter in terms of goal productivity. But, um, yeah, I, I, and I think Liverpool, as, as you know, and I feared, would come good. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I, I wouldn't even write Liverpool out of the title mm. race. I just think it's so, I'm not saying it's wide open, but yeah, I'm not sure Manchester United are going to mm. win it. Uh, but I, I watched on YouTube uh, Cody Gapko, who's just signed with Liverpool, and they do these wonderful little videos of them arriving at Liverpool, arriving at the club, at the training ground, doing their media, having their medical tests impressive young man sort of almost took the Premier League off guard with this signing but just another player that they can play down that left side particularly um, with Luis Suarez un- uh, no longer available due to injury what's been the general consensus around his signing? Yeah um, again a shrewd signing because I think it is a risk taking players in in the middle of the season um, and you know Liverpool have, have have made that move. I think it is a, a shrewd move into the transfer market. I do rate him. I thought he did really well in the World Cup. Um, so uh, I, I, you know I think it's a, a quite a, a clever move by Jurgen Klopp to bring him in. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, adds to Liverpool's armory. Uh, but I still think there's one or two aging players within the Liverpool ranks, and and that's the fear. I went to the City Liverpool game. Seems an eternity ago now. It was only three days before Christmas mm. in the Carabao Cup. Um, and, uh, uh, you, you know, I, I just, they looked a little bit, you know, he's got Milner in there. I think Harvey Elliott is going to come good. He's still only young. Uh, but I think the average age, you know this better than mm. me, but I think the average age of the Liverpool team is perhaps a concern, which is why obviously this evolution that they're ch- gradually mm. uh, churning the team around. Mm, yeah, no, I should have said Louis Diaz, not Louis Suarez. Uh, look, yeah, just just on that though, um, still plenty of discussion on Jude Bellingham. He's sort of putting his hand up and saying, "Look, I'd possibly prefer to go and play for Real Madrid." His father's come out and said, "I'd prefer him to play for Liverpool." What What's your gut feeling on this? Can Liverpool get this across the line? Do they need to get this across the line? Not necessarily, no. But I just I think there's a little bit of fatigue factor in 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 terms of Bellingham and his whereabouts because it does seem to change. Uh, with the weather, really, um, that often in terms of where he's going to go. 
Um, so uh, I don't know. We are a bit tired of it, to be honest with you, in terms of the Bellingham speculation. Um, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I, I don't know. Impossible to tell, really, because mm-hmm. uh, you can't believe everything that you read in the papers, can you? Um, ridiculous. I'm just talking of reading in the papers. Here's a nice story for you. I was reminded of a headline that I wrote 40 years ago, showed me age here, for one of my previous employers called the Bolton Evening News. So I used to work in Bolton. And the headline said, and this has got a topic, if you just bear with me a second, it's got very topical resonance because the, the headline said, Pele says no to Bolton. And you think, well, what was he talking about? And anyway, I was covering Bolton Wanderers for the local paper and they were attempted to appoint Pele as their manager, player manager, no less, five years after he'd last played his uh, last game for mm. New York Cosmos in 19, June 1982. And Pele, surprise, surprise, said no. <laughs> uh, and Bolton appointed John McGovern, who'd won the European Cup with Nottingham Forest as their player manager in his place. But uh, that was one of the... And it, it causes great amusement in Bolton, this headline, because it's one of the most famous headlines in the history of Bolton Wanderers. Pele says no to Bolton. Made, the chairman said, I want Pele as the player manager of Bolton. And... Uh, it was it was a little bit ambitious. It wasn't an April Fool's joke. It was written in June. Yeah, I, but, uh, confusing. I call it confusing ability with ambition, perhaps. Um, but look, in Bolton were a first division <laughs> side back in the eighties. I always remember having Bolton up on my wall along with all the other first division sides. This is prior yeah. to the Premier League being established. Yeah, yeah. Peter Reid was uh, playing for them in that era. Um, famous club, great club, uh, and like you know, I, 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 as I said, Mancunian. But uh, for me. You know, I could go 15 miles up the road and watch Bolton Wanderers and you've got your Prestons, Blackburn Rovers, uh, Bolton Wanderers, famous team, obviously going back to the Nat Lofthouse days, uh, 58 Cup final and so on. But uh, a, a club with a huge amount of prestige and tradition and a lot of these town teams have fallen by the wayside. Having said that, Bolton played Derby County on Boxing Day and got... 25,000 to watch uh, a goalless draw. So it just shows the pulling power, really, and the, the, the way that the the football fans... And yeah. I was talking to my mates last night when we were out for our New Year's celebration and big football fans, and they, they, they were saying that there is a bit of a kickback from the Premier League, really. There's a lot of, of uh, football fans who kind of a little bit... Uh, you know, Manchester United fans, one of them was an alt- one of my pals is an Altrincham fan who played the fifth tier, the fifth level. They've just gone full-time. So they've got full-time playing staff. Manager gets paid. Uh, players get paid. And my pals are a volunteer. The back rooms, the, the, the behind-the-scenes don't get paid. And Altrincham getting crowds of more than 2,000, uh, which is phenomenal. It's, it's in the same league as Wrexham. We've got these Hollywood uh, film directors who are owning Wrexham. Oldham Athletic, Wrexham gets uh, some ridiculous crowds, like 11,000. That's the fifth tier of any, if you think of any sport, but especially football, it's the fifth tier of English football and they're getting crowds of, of 11,000. But there is, Altrincham get more than 2,000 and Altrincham are three miles down the road from Manchester United. But there's a lot of sort of like indifference towards Manchester United in terms of the, they've not had the success that they've had in the last 10 years that they used to have. Uh, the cost of going to football matches. What one guy put on Twitter, this United fan, he, he he couldn't. He was ill. He couldn't go to the Burnley game in the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, just before Christmas. He was ill. He couldn't go. And United have punished him by saying, "I'm sorry, but you have to 
lose your ticket, your season ticket that he's paid for, for the Manchester derby, which is on Saturday. And it's, even City fans are saying it's outrageous hmm. that a bloke, just because he's ill and he can't attend a cup game, like the three days before Christmas, and he gets banned from going to the next home game in the league, which is the Manchester derby. But that's the kind of uh, business that these clubs have become. Mm. And it does alienate the, a lot of supporters who think, hang on a minute, who are these people? And they're gravitating towards the lower leagues because they think, hang on a minute, there's a lot of community uh, town, you know, in these various towns, there's a huge, great swathe of support for these clubs still, which is quite uh, encouraging, really. And I, shows it's, I suppose it shows the strength and depth of uh, the English game. Look, it's not dissimilar here. I think there's a lot of um, disharmony towards rugby and the administration in this country. Uh, it's become too all-black top-heavy. Our top players are rest and rotated during Super Rugby, so you pay, but you don't get to go and see your, your top players playing anymore. Yeah. But yet you go along to a good schoolboy game of rugby and you get good crowds there. You go along to some good you know, um, senior club rugby and you get good crowds there as well. And I think people have just had a guts full. They're not happy with the way it's been administered. They're not happy that everything comes down to the bottom line. Um, and they've almost forgotten. Yeah. They've almost forgotten their history, forgotten their roots, and what the game is primarily about. And um, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's very very concerning. But those still running it still don't appear to be able to see it. No, they don't. And the same analogy applies completely to cricket. You know, I'm blessed here because uh, I've got uh, three miles away. I've got Manchester United, and I've got Lancashire County Cricket Club. And a pal of mine who's a member of Lancashire Cricket Club, a famous club, uh, went to the annual meeting in early December. And uh, the director of cricket said, I'll be honest with you, we are here to act as a feeder to serve the English national cricket side, the ECP, who bankroll the counties. Uh, and, you know, I've got great memories of going to watch Lancashire in, in county championship games, in one-day games, famous team. Uh, some epic matches that you'll have seen on television in New Zealand down the years. But Lancashire, this this day and age, is just there to serve England, which means, going back to your Super mm. Rugby comparison, the likes of, of Joss Butler, Liam Livingston, Matt Parkinson, the spin bowler, they won't be playing much for Lancashire if they're on England duty. So the Lancastrians who go in their hundreds, that's all you're going to get. You can just get a few hundred at best for a championship game. And they're deprived of seeing their stars um, because uh, they're just so busy playing cricket around the world. Yeah, no, look, it's exactly the same thing here and it, it, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work in the long term. Uh, look, um, you mentioned that there were 13 minutes of extra time that you sat through yesterday. We saw at the, we saw at the Football World Cup most extra time was at least nine or ten minutes. Has this now become standard with Premier League games? And how is it being received by the fans and by the teams? Uh, well, it's, it's not become standard. It was an exceptional day yesterday because uh, he only added three minutes on in the first half when there was about five minutes of stoppages. So it was economical there, the referee, um, uh, Andy Madley. And then in the second half, the uh, assistance communication device broke down. So there was a lengthy stoppage for that. So the 11 minutes was a fair amount of time to be added on and Everton were time-wasting uh, ridiculously. I can't blame them, that's the way it goes. Uh, but um, so uh, uh, I think it was well-received during the World Cup. I thought it was fantastic. 
I don't think it does any scheduling for TV audiences uh, or TV producers and schedulers any good. Uh, but I think it's fair because I think, and again, it comes back to rugby. The amount of time that that rugby ball stays on that field is pretty. I know they stop the clock. I, I get that, which is an advantage in in rugby. It's a step in the right direction. I wish they'd stop the clock in football. I do because I just see the seconds, the minutes ticking by, and it never really gets added on. It mm. never really gets added on, and it is uh, it, it, you're shortchanging the supporters. I think. Um, it, it does become a little bit of a, and it's stop start. I mean, they had um, uh, a minute silence uh, yesterday, not just for Pele, but it's tradition. That's a lot of football clubs at this time of the year. Manchester City and, and Everton honoured uh, those that uh, supporters of both clubs who've been lost during 2022, and it was a very touching, poignant moment. City handled it really well, and the five, six thousand Everton fans who were there uh, were very respectful as well. But when you have a minute sight and City pump up the volume in terms of their pre-match um, uh, entertainment, they do it really well. It's a very slick uh, production. Uh, it, it, you know, you've seen it yourself. It, it, it's, it's, and it, it's for the, you know, my granddaughters were there yesterday and it was great to have them sat with me and they enjoy that kind of spectacle. So it's, it's a family entertainment. That's what I'm trying to say. Are you brainwashing your grandchildren to support Manchester City when you've got Liverpool yeah. about 40 kilometres down the road? I am. I am. It's terrible, but Andy. Just, just, it's terrible. I know. But but just to – and this isn't – I'm not having to go to Liverpool here, but when I went to the Carabao Cup game, and it's still a story that is rumbling on, that some of the media – you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an accusation – among Manchester fans that, that Liverpool fans kind of won't get... I've got to be careful how I pitch this, really. Liverpool fans, you've got to be careful what you say because they do, you know, their ability to kind of take a little bit of criticism. But just, just to be specific, there was a 15-year-old Manchester City fan, a girl, who got hit on the head hmm. by a plastic uh, uh, cup, beer cup, that was full of coins... Yeah, and she's scarred for life. Yeah, it's not, happened two days before Christmas. Yeah, not good enough. Uh, not I, good enough. I'm not having a, not having a go. It came from the Liverpool end. There were six thousand Liverpool fans sat on the very top tier, which is a mistake in the first place, anyway. So coins and everything are raining down on people. A lot of people who were sat in the corporate seats on the middle tier never even went back for the second half because they just said, "Why should I pay good money to sit in a seat to have objects thrown down on me?" Uh, and the, the chief executive of Liverpool has rung up the girl's father and apologised. Um, City fans are cynical because they're saying, well, we, we're not really sure of the ability of Merseyside police to root out troublemakers, referring back to when the City mm-hmm. coach got attacked before a Champions League game a few seasons ago. So there's that kind of animosity. And I know it works both ways. And some Liverpool fans are in the disabled section. So hang on a minute. We got targeted by City fans. So I'm not painting City Mm. fans here. And I think every club has got their element of it. But I just think it's sad in really in this day and age that you go to a football match. And and we're talking about family entertainment, you know, and I'm there with my three and six year old granddaughters yesterday. Proud granddad. Fantastic. My son sat alongside me, my daughter-in-law. Great. That's what it's sports about, isn't it? inspiring the next generation but when you hear things like that happening not having to go to Liverpool because it, it cuts both ways I get that 
uh, I find it pretty appalling, really, in 2023. Oh, no, completely and utterly agreed. Absolutely, absolutely no excuse for it. And if they're found out and whoever's throwing coins, hey, I've got no problem. Just ban them, ban them for life. Just, yeah, not good yeah. enough. I mean, you know, you would have thought after, you know, the years of football hooliganism and some of the sad things that have happened through all of that, that people would have learnt that lesson, but clearly not. And it's always just yeah. one or two that seem to ruin it for everybody else. Hey, look, Andy, look, lovely to have you on the programme. Happy New Year to you, my good man. Um, looking Happy forward to hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully being able to continue our discussion. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, no, enjoying it and uh, hopefully sharing a little bit of an insight into the world of uh, English sport in this uh, bleak winter that's, uh, you know, sort of, we're into January, so we're on the right side. Really. Do you get that sense that as though your summer is into the second half? Does it not really work like that? No, nope, we're into the second half already. We don't get a long summer. It's been good weather briefly and then it sort of got a bit ugly again but look we've got England in town and this two test series and cricket coming up so that'll be interesting we're playing okay in Pakistan you've just come off a a, a 3-0 series victory in Pakistan you've got the Ben Stokes bring them a Cullum angle so um, yeah I I think as we get a bit closer to February that'll become um, yeah start to get a lot of hype and interest around that and it'll be a real good test and measure for this New Zealand side yeah Look forward to it. All right. Hey, thanks, Andy. Lovely to have you on the program. Andy Buckley out of the UK.